what's good, New York? It's the Harvester Colin Atrophy, a.k.a. Prince Parm, a.k.a. Inspector Slice. Bring it to you, slice and smooth. What up? Welcome to the second episode of Radio Harvester. What punks talk about when punks talk about pizza. That's the subtitle. I'm experimenting here with names still, all right? Give me a break. The guest this month is uh, Sue Jivin, formerly Sue Blanks, the old manager of the Blanks 77. Maybe she doesn't want me to say that. I don't think she cares. When I was a teenager, she was like a mythological figure to me. She's like a famous older punk that I didn't know. And now we're friends, and that's what's cool about being an adult, is that you get to be friends with the people that you thought were cool when you were a kid, if you try hard enough. Anyway, Sue's fantastic. She's super cool. She spent years booking shows at the Wetlands and at Coney Island High in New York City. She ran a club in uh, Boston called Regeneration. Booked punk tours and shows for like a million bands that you think are cool or you thought were cool when you were really young. And for the past 10 years, she's been working out as a tattoo artist in uh, East River Tattoos, which is currently on Manhattan Avenue and Clay Street in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And you should go there and get all tatted up. Get some ink. Do get a sick tribal. Get some H.R. Geiger skulls up, up and down your arm piece. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, look. Sue is the best. We get pretty deep and intensely personal in this interview, so be forewarned for some rough emotional terrain. Um, it was conducted at Casanova Pizza Restaurant in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. My intro is about to end. It's over now. No, you go. By the time you go, I'll be. I'll be Orange chicken parm sandwich and a beef patty. Can I get um, cheese and pepperoni and a beef patty? Yes, please. I think I'm gonna get this ravioli della casa. Yes, yes, it sounds good. Yeah, ravioli. Cheese ravioli with tomato sauce and anchovies. I've got, I've got something for you. So I went through all my papers, right? Found something very strange. Okay. All right. This is the first show I ever did. I, I can't even remember the bands. This is in Baltimore. First show ever, right? Free pizza with admission. Okay, okay. wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. The very last show that I ever did at CBGB's, right? Free pizza. I wrote it on the back. Free pizza. These are for you. Courtesy yeah. of Ray's Pizza. Party time. Okay, last show I ever did CBGB's. Big deal. First show I ever did, last show I ever did CBGB's. Both had free pizza? Both had free pizza. And then here's the third final strange third of the slice if you know what I'm saying this is the first show at Regeneration the the club I opened you know in uh-huh. Boston so these are three major moments of my life f***ing free pizza no jackasses I thought that was the funniest thing yeah, I've this ever is seen amazing. and I went through all my flyers and these were the only ones where I offered for some reason free pizza and I was like this is weird and I need to give those to you I'm gonna frame these and hang them in my office oh that that's awesome and I made all of them so it was yeah, kind of cool great. how did you start tattooing when did you, did you I started started um, over 10 years ago okay but I mean I always wanted to I was started getting tattoos when I was really 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 young I got a fake ID when I was 16 where'd you get and your I'm first so tattoo? excited in New Jersey in Elizabeth New Jersey at a biker shop called Ron's world famous and I remember being like, yeah, and now that I think about it, it's like, they are not world famous. What are they? You know that people do that pizza yeah, yeah. shops too, world famous pizza. pizza and you're like, no, 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 you're not world famous. 
and I got a little bat, and they were really nice to me. They were so nice to me that I went back like a week later, and I was like hooked, you know? And I was like, I never, I wanted to be a tattoo artist, but rather than I was being like, I want to be a tattoo artist, I had this massive respect for it. And I was like, I don't think you just say that. I think it's a really big decision that you make after considering it and really working at it. Right. So I just started working the counter at a shop in Richmond. It was the grossest, hands down, grossest shop I've ever seen. Yeah. They had shag carpeting. All right, you know how nasty the whole shag- place? The whole place was, except for like the boots, was shag. They had dogs in there, but they were like golden retriever dogs that shed all that like light hair. They had, this is the worst story ever. I'm not even going to say the name of the shop. It was this bad. It was all biker guys, right? This is the 90s, you know? Right. They, Vaseline, which we use a version of it now to right. tattoo, had must have sent them a free like novelty size Vaseline, like uh. this big. They had it in the waiting room on a table with a big stick stuck in it that said "Help yourself," and there was like hairs in it and like goo in it, and people would just come over and be like, Whoa! and like stick the stick back in there. It was nasty, nasty, nasty place. Girls would come in all the time and be like, I just want to get a little, like a little uh, butterfly. And the guys were so scary and like, eh. and then the Vaseline and the hair, they were just like, we want you to do it to me. They were just uncomfortable. So finally the owner was like, I guess I should just teach you. Tattoo culture and like punk and hardcore is that like, it's some of the coolest stuff, but it's also like a haven for some of the Mm-hmm. You're right. And like the just garbage. the worst male, kind of like, like just the worst aspects of doodly bullshit. Mm-hmm. Are like just find this home and this place to act out it within both. I think tattoo culture was like only for and for a oh, long yeah. time maybe. Oh yeah. And uh, and punk for sure is just like I think the like kind of sense of freedom or whatever or liberation is often mistaken by dudes as like. I could do whatever I want and no one's going to tell me not That's to. That's exactly right. Ah! Exactly right. Every place I've ever lived, especially near D.C., there'd, because of that, there'd be a counter movement of women as a girl in the punk scene. Right. I was one of the only ones like booking shows at that time that just wasn't... Do you know what I mean? There weren't that many women in the scene and there weren't yeah, that yeah. many... There were no women tattooing. I was the only one that I knew of. You know what I mean? So the women would start like a counter movement. Like... We had one called Chicks Up Front, which is so stupid now that it's like embarrassing. It was like X, X, Chicks Up Front. And the whole thing is we'd get up front and then we'd do that join hands thing that they do in like Operation Rescue so the guys <laughs> couldn't get, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the female tattoo artist thing, as I started to get more into it, I realized that by doing that, by forming almost like a counter against these men, it was detrimental. It made that separation. And the best thing to do was integrate with the guys in a way sure but do your own thing and I just I totally pushed that stuff aside I was like maybe I'll be like build myself as a female tattoo artist and we'll all get together and then I was like no fuck it I just want to be a tattoo artist I don't want to be like female anything anymore and I quit right. all that stuff you know and that was the start of a very long and difficult and frustrating journey to become an actual tattoo artist 
but I mean, I don't know if you want to go with me to mention this or if it's too uncomfortable for an interview, but... Nothing is uncomfortable. You know that I'm sick, right? Yeah, I do. That has changed everything for me with tattoos. Yeah, I actually, I wasn't sure if it was uncomfortable for you. It's but not, I mean, it's not, but it's, thank you for saying yeah. that. If I, if I bring it up, it's not uncomfortable. Yeah, I If I feel to... uncomfortable about bringing it up, the only, the reason I only feel uncomfortable is that so you don't want, you want the person tattooing you to have this appearance of health. You don't want to think you're getting tattooed by a sick person. Right. So I don't Whoa. tell clients that often, you know? But it's not like a contagious illness. But I've lost clients because of it. Really? Mm-hmm. They're uncomfortable. They find out about it and they don't, they don't want to get tattooed by me. They're uncomfortable with it, you know? Maybe they have a personal fear of it and they just don't want to be that that close to it. Maybe they think I'm not all together, I'm not all there, so they don't want to. But I don't come into work when I feel sick. Right. When I tell, my bosses are awesome, when I tell them I don't feel sick, I mean like, or I feel sick, I mean like I feel sick. Like I, I still go to chemo, mm-hmm. so every two weeks, I am sick, sick. Yeah. My mother had breast cancer. So Did you really? She's been in remission now, or like, I don't know all the terminology. She has not had her what, CT or PET scans. I, I get it all clean. confused. Mm-hmm. Have been clean for like two or awesome. three years now. Yeah. They say that people who have had it and who go into treatment and are in remission are less likely to get it because they're being monitored mm-hmm. and they're really hyper aware of it as opposed to people who will let it go with mammograms for years and all of a sudden, you know. Right. So it's interesting to think that, but... The day I found out that I was sick, like I found a lump and I kind of just knew it because of the family history, mm-hmm. was as devastating as finding out that I had to be in treatment forever. Because being in treatment, like I was never going to go to remission, because that's stage four. There's no remission. Right. I didn't understand that. I thought everyone I ever heard of, you go through chemo. And then you get better. And then you get better. When I said, how long do I have to go in chemo for? And the doctor said, forever. I was like, I think I was more devastated. I always wanted to travel. I want to go away somewhere right. and tattoo. That's the best part about tattooing. It's just like touring for band. Yeah, you go wherever you want. You literally, the thing you have to bring is like the size of this. Yeah, they like have the everything for you. Yeah. Exactly. It's that, yeah, you know, the size of those things now are, every, all shops are set up for guests and stuff. The idea that I couldn't go anywhere and do anything is, it feels more like, more like a death sentence than the actual death sentence that I got. And that's, I carried the gene. I carried the gene mutation. Once you carry the gene mutation, it's, it's a different situation, a different story. And that becomes another thing. Right. So, everything's oh, awesome. Good. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So the tattooing becomes more important. Right. Yeah. But I'm very tired all the time. It's starting to. I have like maybe about a five-year prognosis. So I was diagnosed in 2011. Right. So every time there's not when I have a birthday. But the month that I got diagnosed, which was November of 2011, 
every time that month passed. I don't say anything, but I just feel that, like, Reaper hand just like, hello, you know what I mean? No. And you got it. Closer and closer, you know? So right now, all I can really do is, um, functionally, is just get up and go to work. Right. By the time that's done, I'm, I'm done for the day. You know? Yeah. It's a very lonely thing. You know, because people are like, oh, let's go out, let's go. Right, yeah, you are. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm done, you know? That, and I didn't get to have a middle age as the worst. You know that age between, I don't know how old you guys are, but. I just turned 31. You're 31. How old are you? 26. I mean, from experience before I got sick, your 30s, you don't feel you don't feel worse. You slow down like a good way. You slow down yeah. in like a good, thoughtful way. It's the, your thirties are like a really good time to be alive. You know a lot, but you still you can still go out all night if you want to. And even your forties, I I miss. I got to. I didn't get to have those years. Right. I'm like a seven year old woman now. You know. I'm 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 really mad about a lot of stuff. I'm really angry about a lot of stuff. Feel like cheated. Yeah, know? of course. So, what do you do? How do you? I draw. How do you reconcile that? I draw six, seven hours a day, sometimes, which is very therapeutic because you really—it's like journaling. You really write down a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, my job is extremely satisfying yeah. because it satisfies my ego because I'm tattooing my stuff on people. Right. It satisfies your creativity. It satisfies your social, a little bit, your social networking. You know what I mean? You're talking to people that you would want to talk to. And it satisfies that, like, challenge. So when I'm tattooing or drawing, my mind, like, goes away. But I'm not dealing with it so well as my health starting to decline. I'm in pretty, I mean, deep depression. I have a really great family, great friends. And you're from Jersey, right? Your family's local. Yeah, 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 in Brooklyn. So a lot of it is like I don't want to let them down by just giving up, you know. I don't. I feel bad like they've supported me for so long. I don't want to let them down. So a lot of my functioning is like I don't want to let people down. But it is hard. I'm losing my hair again, which came back the first time, and probably won't once it's gone. Now won't come back. You know, it only comes back like once or twice. Right. So. The first time I lost it, I was like, I went and got hair extensions, and I got fit for a wig, and was like, kind of gung-ho on, like, making it look good, and all my eyelashes fell out, so I got, like, fake ones, and now that it's happening again, I'm like, what is the point? Like, I'm just going to go bald, I don't really care anymore, you know? And I'm okay with that, but every once in a while when I'm tattooing and I lean over, or I see a picture of myself, somebody takes a picture, I'm like, oh God, and I get yeah. the bald spot, and I have to like Donald Trump arrange like this comb over <laughs> like thing, and I wonder what people think who don't know, that they probably don't want to say, but you know, like, they must be like, what the f*** is wrong with her? There's like a million reasons for a woman to potentially be losing her hair. Also. Exactly. It's not so. It's not the worst thing. It's that, you know why I ended up telling people? It was It was a dude that lived at, uh, worked at the Charleston. Uh-huh. I would see him every day. I lived right across the street at the time. He saw me waiting for the bus, and I looked like I was a junkie. 
because right. after chemo, you got sunglasses on because your eyes hurt really bad. And I'm sitting at the bus stop and I'm doing this. Yeah. You literally are, you're so tired, you can't stand up. And I remember the look he gave me and I was like, if I don't tell people, I'm, they're just going to think I'm an heroin addict. You know what I mean? Right. Because it really does mimic that look yeah. when you're this age and don't look like sick, you know? Absolutely. So, I don't know. And you've been straight edge forever, right? My whole life, yeah. yeah. I do taxidermy as well. Yeah. Which, weirdly enough, has helped me massively. Deal with confronting your mortality? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, okay. The animal died naturally. I get all, everything I get is roadkill. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not like beating it over the head. Friends of mine find it that do wildlife control. It's safe, they test it and everything. And usually incinerate it, you know, stuff people find. I open it up and I'm like, well, that's life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I make it immortal again, like put it back together and make it look beautiful, you know? So I guess between the tattooing and taxidermy, I have to deal with it. I'm very angry though. I should probably go to a support group or something, but. theory that everybody in New York is, no matter what their background, is a little bit Jewish, a little bit Italian, and a little bit Puerto Rican. Or yeah, yeah, Just that's like, really good. Like, somewhere in the middle. And there's certain things, like, the mom, like, the Jewish mom, the Italian mom, and the Puerto Rican mom, they all want to feed you. They're all, all highly excitable. You yeah. know what I mean? But, you know what's funny is, I wrote an article for... Aaron Kamenbus years ago about being a Jewish tattoo artist because oh, there's a lot of yeah. misconceptions about Jews and tattoos. Yeah, let's that talk whole about like that. well, that whole like thing. The first one that always comes up is you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery if right. you have a tattoo. You heard that before? Yeah, of course. That's like completely not true. It doesn't make any sense. When, like, think about it for a second. It doesn't make any what sense. What is the what is the the theory actual is no? It's for it's for that is normally for conservative or Hasidic Jews right. that they even say that yeah. and the point is in the Torah it says you shall be returned to the earth in the way that you came into the earth so that in other words you know you don't make any changes to your body right. in any way well within it, it has to adjust a little bit because people have prosthetic hips they have pacemakers right. they have you know someone rebuilt a, a knee so they've they've removed any of that anyway they're never going to kind of stick to that you know right i mean it's not going to be accepted in a Hasidic jewish community to get a tattoo in the right, first but place but they don't they don't do that where you can you, have, you don't have to remove the hip or it's so strong though in the Hasidic community that when there is an autopsy, they don't they don't allow autopsies because that's changing the body. So when they when they have to do an autopsy, I have a friend who's a corner. There is a rabbi in the autopsy room who then gathers up all of the parts and and takes them every single thing, every single drop of intestine and takes them all and to bury them. You so can't see on the radio the face that I'm making. Over, I know, it's gross, yeah, right? That that's rabbi, insane. That poor rabbi that's like, all right, you're guts guy, like, come on, oh. you know, whatever. So, I mean, they, they're really strict about that. That's wild. But I don't think they'd let you get a tattoo there anyway. 
Okay, but wait. Then, just to backtrack, you have a yeah. friend who's a coroner. Yes. Is, are they a friend of yours from Punk that became no, a coroner? They're, um, they're a tattoo client. Okay. So, Tell me that he's getting like like a SpongeBob SquarePants sleeve or something, pretty much, right? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, he's I getting, knew it. He's getting a food garter. So in other words, it's like little food, but it's in like a garter shape. You know what I mean? And then I just did an X Files tattoo on him. That's like uh, a giant, one of those giant cordless phones. You know what I mean? That says Mulder, are you there? Uh, let's see. I did a portrait of Divine on his arm. But yes. there's a guy that works with him. And it's, a, it's another county corner, and the guy has a full back piece of himself doing an autopsy. I would love to tattoo Louis C.K. Number one, because Louis he's awesome. Louis C.K. have tattoos? No, but number one, because he's awesome. But if you think about how white his skin is, <laughs> man, that tattoo would look awesome forever. Oh, yeah, forever. it's going to be so dark. I, I had tickets to go see him, and this was right before Hurricane Sandy. So it was the day before Halloween when the show was. So I went and I bought a little pumpkin from the bodega, and I drew a portrait of Louis C.K., and I tattooed the face onto the pumpkin. Like, it looked just like him, because, you know, yeah, yeah. it kind of looks like a pumpkin. It looks so good, and I was like, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to bring this pumpkin. I'm going to tell him I tattooed him on a pumpkin. And he canceled the show, because of Hurricane Sandy. Oh. And it was so sad, because the pumpkin started to collapse in on itself. Yeah. And he was, like, aging or something. So by the time you rescheduled it in the spring, no yeah, more the pumpkin. It would gone. be weird to bring a pumpkin in the yeah. spring. So I still want to give him a pumpkin with his face tattooed on it. I want your skull. I need your skull. I want your skull. Listen, pack it in, okay? It's over. That's it. Um, the intro music, as usual, is La Cara Occulta Pizzeria Fatale. Uh, we also had legally obtained samples from the Misfits and Autopsy and the RZA and Tyga. And I think that's it. And Sue is my friend. Oh, Pinkerton Thugs, which reminds me. Look, the part where Sue was talking about being sick and then it kind of the conversation like went to a million places naturally and then touched back on some funny stuff and the stuff that went too naturally just wasn't worth saving. We had to cut it and I didn't know what to put in the cut. So I just put a Pinkerton thug song in there and I feel weird about it. Just cutting from Sue talking about something serious to like playing some drums, some punk drums, but what are you going to do? I, I couldn't think of what else to do. So I'm just putting that out there. I'm, I did my best. I'm new at this. Um, thank you to me for being awesome Thank you to Sue for being awesomer. Thank you to Reed Dunley for uh, being my the puff daddy to my uh, Biggie Smalls. Thank you to Laszlo Toth for being whoever engineered the Puff Daddy records because he came over yesterday and helped me mix this so that it doesn't sound like a, the inside of a butthole. Uh, you know, no cops, no creeps, pizza in the pizzeria, F Leonard Skinner, F your negative attitude, we are the punks.